Hello and welcome to Software Tech Talks. I'm Zoe Cunningham. Just over 20 years ago, Softwire started trading a few hundred yards from the office we're in right now in Kentish Town. And this week, we've just welcomed our 230th member of staff. And we're proud to be digital engineering partners for some of the UK's leading brands, including the BBC, David Lloyd Clubs, government departments, banks, charities and healthcare, offering a range of services from prototyping and user research to machine learning, data science applications and software support, as well as our core business of bespoke software development. We've now got offices in London, Manchester and Cambridge and we are so proud that our client and staff retention rates are one of the best in the industry which is reflected in our winning many awards including the best companies to work for consistently every year for the last decade. None of this would have happened without the vision and values of our founders. So I am really, really excited to welcome Dan Shavik and Phil Marsden to our podcast recording. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Hi. Can I ask you to introduce yourself and maybe give me a fun fact about you? Okay. Hello, I'm Dan. I am currently the recruitment director of Software, and as Zoe said, one of the founders. And my fun fact is that um, over the last three and a half years, I've been thoroughly obsessed with the ancient Chinese board game of Go. And in that period, I've amassed nearly 50,000 games of Go, playing several hours each day, despite the demands of uh, a family and, of course, a full-time job. Wow, 50,000 games. Mm -hmm. Uh, How long does it take to play a game of Go? Well, the games I play are quite short, typically about five to six minutes each. Yeah, it's still a considerable amount of Go and far more than my wife would like. And so are you like a Dan? Is it a Dan when you're getting Go? I'm for Dan on small board Go, yeah. You're, you're for Dan Dan? I'm for Dan Dan, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> that's an amazing fact. How about you, Phil? Yes, yeah, so I'm Phil. I'm one of the founders of Software, like Dan, and our other founder, Pete. And I manage the help desk here, so all the internal systems. My fun fact is that ooh, back in the late 90s, I got my pilot's license out in America. And uh, in the last couple of years, I've recently uh, got back into flying and now I try and fly whenever I can. Where's the furthest you've flown to? Well, when I was in America, I, when I first got my license, I flew all around the States. So I think my most exciting trips have been to the Grand Canyon. And that's where my only emergency has happened as well. So I was flying with my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife. And uh, we took off from Las Vegas with a view to going to the Grand Canyon. And uh, unfortunately, she started feeling a little bit sick and her throat started closing up a little as we got higher and higher. So we had to make a bit of an emergency landing. But uh, other than that, fingers crossed, touch wood, everything's been fine <laughs> since then. <laughs> Very safe flight, yeah, isn't it? Exactly, Very safe. Yeah, exactly. So tell me a bit, what's the law of software? What's the, the story of how it all started? Well, Pete, Phil and I had... Um, Uh, often chatted casually in the pub about the idea of starting our own company, but it was never particularly serious. But then a couple of things happened at the same time. Firstly, it was the dot-com boom, so the end of the the 90s, everybody was piling into the internet and technology and kind of like joining the gold rush. And the other thing that happened is that a couple of friends of ours, John and Nigel, they had set up their own company a few years previously, and they started whispering in our about maybe it was a, a good thing to consider, especially the way the, um, the market was heading. And they said they would invest in us. So we all started talking about the idea and um, we decided that um, it seemed like a, a good time to take the plunge. So, so we jumped. Dan was saying they um, invested in us. We, uh, we did coin a phrase in the early months when we were sort of setting up the company, which was 
trying to come up with a valuation for what, what we were worth. And it was, uh, obviously it was in the dot-com boom where there was this crazy valuations of these companies with literally nothing. And we were just chatting in the pub and we were going, well, what are we worth? What are we worth? Because basically we're just three men in a pub. So that was the phrase that we used when we were coming up with our valuations. Well, what would you pay for three men in a pub? We had no and, company. Uh, we had no, no company. No product ideas. Yep. Absolutely nothing. In, we three were men in a pub. Three men in a pub. And we came up with a value X. and we, Which was two million. <laughs> so we went to John and Nigel and said, here we go. That's what we're worth. And they just sort of, obviously after a little bit of chuckling and laughter, they, uh, we agreed on a price and they gave us a little bit of money to help us start up. And uh, yeah, that was the, that, that was the rest, basically. Oh, fantastic. So it must have been like a really exciting time back there, like... The internet was kind of taking off. and Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I just got married, actually. I came back from my honeymoon. And uh, John and Nigel were actually at the wedding, as along with Dan and Pete. And I think that's when they sort of did a little bit more discussion and they crystallised their ideas. And when I got back, Dan and Pete sort of said, come on, let's do it. Let's go and uh, do it. So we spent six months getting the company ready. We were interviewing people for the jobs in Dan's lounge, in his, in his flat, and then sort of hiring vans, going to Ikea, building desks, you know, ordering computers, getting them set up. You know, it's back in the day before the likes of Amazon and lots of online ordering, so it was a lot more difficult to do stuff. Yeah, it was a very exciting time. There were actually two notable things that happened at Phil's wedding. One was that Pete and I started forming the idea for software. The other was that Phil's uncle mistook me for Phil, the groom. <laughs> wow, yeah. Yeah. okay. And that's, that's the thing that has persisted through software, in the, uh, certainly in the early years when we looked very similar. Maybe we're still starting to diverge a little bit now. There's a few stories of tenants and other people completely confusing us over the years. Um, and you're Dan, right? <laughs> Very good. Oh, okay, and what are these, one of these things you had to do in this period of setting up the company was pick a name. So how do, you, how do you pick a name for a software company? I think it depends whether you want the short version or the long version. The short version is that we spent several weeks trying to find a good name, and we wanted something that reflected what the company was going to do. So obviously, computer software was a big part of what we wanted. We want something that related to software. But also, our specialism at the time, the specialism that Pete, Phil, and I had developed at our previous employer, was in computer networking and communications. So eventually, Pete came up with this name Softwire, which obviously is related to software, but also the wire in it reflects that relationship with the communications uh, and networking that we expected our company to be largely doing over the first few months. Ah, very interesting. What were the rejected names? I can't remember now. People often ask us that question. And it just, um, and my memory is so poor that no matter how much I rack my brain, I can't think of any other than if Dan can. No, I can't. I remember one that I suggested, which was ISIS or something. I can't remember. But I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, it's a very I don't good know job why I suggested it or why I thought it was good at the time, but there we go. One thing I do remember is that Pete was the one that came up with the name Softwire and Pete was the one who registered the domain name, which um, he was very pleased with himself. He'd, he'd thought of the name, he'd registered it, it was free, it was all sorted. So we formed the company and then a couple of weeks later we realised that Pete, when he'd registered the name, had registered it wrongly. So instead of owning software.co.uk, we owned software.co.uk.co.uk. <laughs> And, and software.co.uk was not, in fact, free. So, obviously, we decided to stick with the name. We adopted a different domain name in the early years and then eventually, uh, a few years later, acquired software.co.uk and then software.com. Fantastic. Yeah, very lucky. Otherwise, very lucky. Otherwise, we'd be softwaretech.co.uk to this day. But luckily, we're not. Aside from, from this challenge, what were the biggest challenges of uh, setting up the company? 20 years ago. So you obviously, you mentioned as well that the infrastructure we have nowadays in terms of online ordering and so on, all of yeah. that wasn't there. Yeah, you used, you used to have these sort of 
Yellow Pages was a document which I guess many of our listeners may or may not have heard of, <laughs> um, which was basically an online, oh, well, no, not an online, sorry. It was a paper telephone directory, effectively, of local suppliers. And yeah, you had to look through those and find someone who provided paper or, you know, whatever, you, what, all the supplies you wanted, like cables and wires and computers. So we used to order, our, all our computers were from a company called Gateway, which is gone now. And there were all the, you know, these big, uh, you know, the old style monitors with the big CRT monitors. So yeah, buying all our equipment was, uh, was quite a challenge, um, ordering it all online or over the phone or whatever. In terms of the challenges, I think we got quite lucky actually, because one of the challenges I think was not to be too greedy in the, in the early years, because as Dan has said, the boom was happening and everyone was just going crazy and growing and, and you know, going a bit ridiculous. And we, we got quite lucky. We had, a good, we had a good first year. We made, you know, a reasonable amount of money and we, we employed a few people. We grew, grew a little bit, but not too much but then you know in 2001 there was the there was the crash and I think if we'd have started a little bit later we may not have gotten enough momentum up before the crash and I think if we'd have started a bit earlier maybe we would have got a little bit greedy and grown too much and maybe not survived the crash it's hard to know you can't you know there's no crystal ball but um, that was one of the challenges I think and uh yeah, it's very t- timing is really interesting. Yeah, it was. And this idea that you could have been overconfident, thinking, yeah. "Oh, this this internet's easy," you know, just print money. Yeah, we did. We did get lucky. We got a couple of got a couple of good clients in the early years that saw us through our first sort of six to twelve months. One of them was based over in Ireland, so we had a few trips to Ireland initially. Was it hard reaching out to people and saying, "We're three men in a pub. Do you want to give us some software work?" Well, we didn't mention the pub for the most part, which made it a bit easier. But we did have, uh, as we say, some expertise in in communications networking. And so we really sold ourselves on the basis of, of our expertise. As it happened, when we first started, because you couldn't hire uh, a software developer for love nor money, it was incredibly easy. And we ended up doing all sorts of projects, not only related to communications, because people couldn't hire software developers. And obviously, at that time, we weren't going to be fussy. In fact, some of the daily rates that people were charging at the time have not really been seen since. I remember that in our early days, it was easy, essentially, to, to charge the market rates, which were higher than some of the rates that we, we charge now, 20 years later. So it was an unprecedented time. And because software developers were in, in such short supply, it was relatively easy to pick up the work. Right. And so this was really in the boom. And it was obviously the crash that changed all that. The crash changed all that. Yeah, yeah. that's that's really interesting because we, something we've talked about on the podcast is how difficult it is to hire software developers because obviously it's a challenge that everyone feels really acutely right now. Mm. So it's, it's interesting to think that was still a problem 20 years ago. Yes, that's true. Actually, it was relatively easy for us to hire staff because although software developers were in demand, everybody wanted to join a startup. And although we weren't really an internet startup in the way that many of the companies were, we were still perceived as an exciting startup by people who are graduating university at the time or a few years out of university. So, yes, um, it, it was incredibly fortuitous timing in stark contrast to what happened a year later when the dot-com crash happened. One of the hardest things, I think, also is that the three of us aren't really natural salespeople. You know, I don't particularly enjoy the sales side of things. And so, yeah, we, we were having to do you know we had lots of hats on you know we were sales marketing recruitment you know hr everything you know we did we did, we did all the jobs in the early years which is uh, i don't know about marketing <laughs> i don't <laughs> okay. remember doing any marketing no fair enough that started right. when fran joined yeah exactly it wasn't until a few years after we started that we you know employed our first sort of salesperson and so your background is you were all engineers the three of you were engineers and yeah. got together to start yeah, we a business. All, we all started as software developers, learnt our trade through software development, became project managers, and then... Yeah. So your specialism was in delivering the services that Software now delivers? Yes. Oh, fantastic. So you had a really good year. 
then you had a really bad year and then you built your way back up again. What was the point where you realised, actually, we're really onto something here. This, this, this could be a goer. This, you know. It wasn't till 2006 that I started to feel anything like comfortable again. It was a pretty difficult time from 2001 through 2005, I would say. So 2006, the company started to feel like it was on a more secure footing again, really. That was quite a slog. The company didn't grow very much in that period. We grew quite a lot in 2000, and then we were fairly static for about three, four years and just started growing again into 2006. So we were in the wilderness for a while, shall we say, but we kept going. We started at the back of a back of a sort of cafe chip shop down the other end of Kentish Town. We planned to be there for maybe two or three years, but in the end we moved out after sort of 18 months to Highgate Studios, which is where we are now, into a different unit. But then from there, as Dan says, it took us quite a few years before we got our next our next unit, um, which was, I think, around 2005, 2006. Hmm. And then, then there was obviously another dip in, I think, 2008, if I'm right. Well, um, the market certainly dipped a bit, yeah. but the impact on us was much smaller than it had been in 2001. So yeah. I think we, we didn't even, I don't think we shrank. I think we just kind of more or less kept going without growing yeah. for a year or so. What was it that kept you going through the tough times? Was it just as, like, I've started this company, you're going to see it through? Or was it like, no, it really, it really will get better if we just hang on? I don't think I ever felt that I didn't enjoy what I was doing. I don't think it was that they were painful times. I just think that they were difficult commercially. And certainly for the three of us, they were tougher financially than we were used to. But there was no point where it was, um, I, I felt like kind of throwing the towel in or, or we ever considered it. No, no. I think as Dan says, I mean, we took fairly hefty salary cuts and didn't, you know, didn't pay ourselves much for a a few years but that was just the price we had to pay for uh, you know being entrepreneurs and hopefully getting the rewards in the future years so what have been your biggest successes over the last 20 years what are the things you look back at and go we did that that's that's really cool okay so we've certainly hired some great people over the years i think if you look back at some of the people who have been here since we started in the very first year yourself included zoe um so we've got sort of rupert tom zoe gareth Edwards, Dan Corder, a few, all, all these people we've hired in the first year and they're all still with us, which is quite nice to know that you've sort of built that family around you. I think going to the, I remember the, the 10th birthday party we had, which is at the top of the Gherkin. I remember sort of sitting back and looking around thinking, wow, this is, this is quite good, we've built this. And I think also going to Vegas in our 10th year was quite, quite an achievement. We took the whole company to Vegas and stayed in a hotel which... Dan and I had always sort of dreamed. We, Dan and I had been to Vegas a few times. Pete got married there. We enjoy our holidays there. We enjoy. Yeah. We invited ourselves to Pete's wedding we because did. it was in Vegas, and because yeah. it was Pete's wedding, but mostly because it was in Vegas. Yeah, and we st- we started to play a bit of poker when we were in Vegas and really enjoyed it, and always thought we'd be able to go back there. And then when when we had the opportunity to go there for our tenth anniversary, we thought, oh, let's you know let's let's go to this you know let's try, try and find somewhere nice to go. We, but we thought we'd end up probably in a slightly cheaper hotel because of the budget. But then we ended up. Getting, I think Dan negotiated a great deal at one of the one of the nice, nicer posher hotels. So yeah, taking the whole company over to Vegas for ten years was was quite an achievement, and uh, very proud of that. Everyone enjoyed it. Amazing. For me, I think that one of the biggest successes uh, we've achieved is the environment that we've created. We've, I think we've built a, a place that people really enjoy working in, and that for me is, is the most important thing. And I think it's just a, you know, a combination of having good working practices and making sure that the office is well-equipped and well-stocked and that you place a lot of uh, trust in your staff and you allow them to do the jobs to their best of ability, their abilities without too much interference or, or involvement from others. So... Uh, yeah, that for me is the biggest success. It's really nice when, I mean, occasionally when we do these sort of big events, 
like the 10th birthday or the 20th birthday or even the 15th birthday you know people do a lot of people do come up individually after, after the event and sort of thank you personally for it even though obviously the reason why we are able to do that it's not just the three of us that have you know started the company it's all the people that we employ who work hard to enable those sort of events to happen oh is there anything you can share on the flip side about where you got it wrong anything you look back at and think oh really we've done this differently or we launched something and it failed yeah there aren't too many things that I think I would do differently looking back one of the things that I sometimes think about is that maybe in the earlier years we could have placed a greater emphasis on things like CSR and diversity we were perhaps rather focused on keeping the company going and doing software development and perhaps we neglected some of the uh, you know that the pastoral care and the other aspects of what we do so I, I think it's quite easy to say perhaps with the benefit of hindsight and as we know that it's a very different climate now than it was 15 years ago but those are some of the things that I might have invested a bit more time in earlier on. So it's something that you've kind of as the company's got larger you've kind of been able to broaden out what you're what you're focused on as a business. Yeah, and I think that the discussion has matured in, in that people weren't talking about these things as much then, but with hindsight, they've been of great benefit to, to the company and, and to its employees. Yeah, so we've been through some tough times in the past. We've had three episodes, I think, really, where we've need, needed to consult the employees on the potential that we might have to downsize, make people redundant, cut working hours. And that, that's, a, that's a tough discussion to have because... In all those cases, in the end, everything came good and we didn't need to do anything different and everybody carried on working full time and it was all okay. But we had to make the decision as to whether to be open with them and be honest and explain to them that this is a risk that might happen. But at the same time, we didn't want to worry people. You know, we took the decision in in those three times to actually be open with people and, and ask them what their preferred solution would be. And in all the cases, it was, um, no, we're all going to club together and if necessary, we'll reduce our hours or we'll, we'll take um, sabbaticals or whatever. And uh, it, it all worked out well. But there were some you know, tough decisions to take. Mm. And it can go either way. It can either reinforce that sense of family that you were talking about or it can people start thinking, oh, what? Yes, exactly. People start getting very worried yeah. you know, about things. So, yeah. Is this secure? You know, it's easy when you don't have to worry about these things. Think, oh, the company, you know, it just carries on. It's just there, you know. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't, don't know the big picture of exactly how sales is going. or You know, they know their little project and they might think it's going well or badly but they don't know the bigger picture and so what do you do now on a kind of day-to-day basis obviously you've, you've now appointed other directors um, and you mentioned a bit at the start about what your jobs are what's a typical day like for you two well for me my main day-to-day role particularly at this time of year is in recruitment so I spend a lot of time working uh, in recruitment. So I, I obviously I interview candidates and I uh, oversee the recruitment process. But I also dream up ways to improve a recruitment process and try and refine it and try and make it more efficient and try and make the experience better for our interviewers and for the candidates. And, and, that, and that takes up the bulk of my time, certainly at this time of year, which is a, a busy time for recruitment. And the rest of my time is um, spent on general oversight of the company or involvement in oversight of the company but in quite a non-executive kind of way really so I I I discuss various projects with the people involved and maybe ask a few questions or lend my opinion but um, in in quite a hands-off way. Yeah so I'm so IT director so I handle all our internal systems which I really enjoy the day-to-day challenges of you know all the technical side of things making sure all our systems are all up and running. I worry 
a lot about security. You know, as, we, as the company gets bigger, we're much more likely to get hacked or you know, be subjected to viruses or other such issues. Yeah, I've got a team of there's four of us now in the help desk who handle all the day-to-day queries from people. We try and basically make the developer's life as easy as possible by you know, making sure all the emails work, all the internal tools work fine. It's often a balance between making sure that they are secure but also they have the flexibility to do stuff that, you know, we're not putting roadblocks in their way to do stuff. So we've got a fairly open, you know, policy in terms of allowing people to, you know, sort of do what they want to do on their own personal laptops. But, you know, certain things we do have to sort of clamp down on a little bit to make sure that everything's secure. Right, exactly. It's a balance. Everything's always a balance, isn't it? Indeed. So what, over the last 20 years, what's changed and what's stayed the same? I would say the main thing that stayed the same, I think, is the company ethos. Uh, when we started it, we wanted to have a company where the employees were happy and the customers were happy. Those are the two sort of main things. Making sure we had happy employees, happy customers, produced high-quality software for them. The, the main thing that's changed, obviously, is that we've got bigger. So apart from uh, the episodes that Phil referred to where we've um, been static for a few months on end, then we have grown fairly steadily over the course of our 20 years. And uh, we've gone from a handful of employees to over 200. So that presents all kinds of challenges because we're a larger company. We take on larger projects. We have greater challenges in project management and customer management and also management of all our staff uh, as we've grown. So just kind of keeping up with the growth and making sure that things don't get out of hand is is a full-time job. And you see a very different company now um, because of the kind of customers we have and because of the work our employees are doing. And also we have bigger and better parties and there are lots of opportunities as well that being a, a larger, richer company affords. That's the main thing that's changed, really. But I think the thing that stayed the same is our commitment, really, to quality in terms of the work that we produce for our customers and also for the quality of environment that we provide to our staff. We want somewhere that they feel comfortable in, somewhere that they they can feel relaxed when they're doing their job to the extent that that's possible and, and somewhere where they can feel proud to say they work. So I think those things have stayed the same. And I think getting, yeah, the, obviously the main thing is the growth we've had over the years. And I think that's... Uh, it's presented challenges, you know, it always does, but it's also presented opportunities. I think it's a double-edged sword to growth. I think we've, we've been able to diversify into different business areas. Uh, we've also been able to give people different roles to do. We now, you know, if you look at the recruitment stuff we do these days, there's a, you know, a whole plethora of roles that we now recruit for, which we never did before. We also allow people to get more responsibility. There's much more senior roles in the company now. You know, there's a few, la- a few layers of management. We try and keep that as minimum as we can. But, you know, there are lots of opportunities for people. Uh, so the growth has given us challenges along the way, you know, because it's always nice to be a little small company where everyone knows each other. But unfortunately, you know, as you grow, you can't always get that. So we try and keep that as much. We've tried to keep that as much as possible. But, you know, it does get harder. So 20 years done, successful. What about the next 20 years? Well, I think the plan is to continue to grow and evolve. If I'm honest, it's hard to predict five years or even two years ahead. And anyone who does... It's probably wrong. It's probably wrong, or you've got to take the things with a pinch of salt. You know, we've learned over the years that trying to do any sort of financial model or growth model more than two or three years ahead is pointless. So I think it's very hard to know what we're going to do. And then where... So- I mean, I couldn't imagine what software is going to be like 20 years ago to what it is now. So... I can have a stab at what it's going to be like in two or three years' time, and it would probably be this, a similar thing but slightly bigger. But I wouldn't be surprised if 
something completely different happened and we, we changed tr- tack a little bit but um, I think we are we are diversifying slowly you know hopefully the IT industry will continue to uh, be good to us so yeah I'll see us doing similar things as we go forward. Any goals any anything you'd like to do over the next 20 years? You want to get down a different level at your go? Or? Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm always I'm always trying to level up, but I'm afraid I'm a little while off leveling up at the moment. In terms of me personally, I'm very happy working at Software. I still enjoy it tremendously. Uh, I enjoy the recruitment parts of my role and, and and all the parts of my role. So I've got no plans to to change anything for me personally in the near future. For the company, then I think it's just a question of continually trying to diversify uh, to find new areas of business which might present new opportunities but will in any case um, help us kind of consolidate and minimize the risk that that we face uh, you know minimize the risks that we face as a company as a whole i'm always interested in finding new areas of business and hopefully we can come up with a, a few over the next few years too well just finally i know at software we don't we're not really a company that we spend a lot of time blowing our own trumpet but you've been incredibly successful in setting up software to achieve the vision that you had for it and obviously growing to now be 230 employees. What advice would you give to someone who, like you were, working for a company thinking, oh, maybe there's potential out there in the tech industry, maybe I should start out on my own. What advice would you give them? Well, firstly, I would say that you probably um, have to have a reasonable constitution and that it was quite scary in the early years. With hindsight, perhaps we didn't need to be quite as terrified of the idea of doing it as, as we were. But the main piece of advice I would have is that make sure you try really hard to get great people on board. Because if you can get great people on board from day one, then everything else becomes a lot easier. No MD or CEO or uh, management team is going to be there is going to be everywhere all the time. And a lot of the things that you do are in the hands of your people. So if you get good people, then hopefully things won't turn out too badly in most of these situations. And I think also starting something together with friends or family going into, I mean, me, Dan and Pete were good friends from the start. And um, we, and you're still good friends. We are still good <laughs> friends. And that, and that Although has, Pete isn't here. Yeah. But we are still good we friends. Are, oh, <laughs> we, are both, we are very good friends still. And we've never fallen out in 20 years, which is, I think, probably slightly unusual. Can't um, even remember an argument. No. I think one of the main reasons for that is that we went into it we were quite clear with each other what our expectations were and made sure that they were aligned. And we, we thought hard and we, we actually wrote up a document describing what we would do in certain situations. You know, what do we do if, if the company goes well? How will we distribute the profits? What if it goes badly? How will we handle that? And we had some sort of, you know, frank discussions and, you know, our, our interests were all aligned. What, what we wanted to do with the company, you know, make it so that our employees felt rewarded sufficiently etc being aligned in that way uh, from the early 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 years was very important and it it's meant that i say over 20 years we've not we've not really fallen out over anything incredible and so here's to the next 20 years Mm, or 40 years (laughs) thanks very much dan and phil and join us next time on software tech talks